Dissecting the Bible Podcast. Hello, welcome to Dissecting the Podcast. Dissecting the Bible Podcast. Oh man, I think I need to drink some tea or something. Today we have, um, naturally we have Midday with us. Hi, everyone. I'm back again. <laughs> yes, and our special Bible expert, religious expert, is Reverend Aaron Rogers. Aaron Rogers is a passionate preacher and teacher out of East St. Louis, Illinois. Um, Aaron Robert, Rogers, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I have been uh, a pastor and teacher for maybe about 13 years now. Uh, I've worked all across uh, the United States. Uh, Started out working in Illinois, in St. Louis, Missouri, and I've worked in uh, New York and New Jersey as well, um, preaching and teaching. I've worked in the congregations, that were small and large, uh, but um, yeah, I've been uh, doing this work for quite some time. All right, cool. Can you give me a, oh, sorry, I've always wanted to know the difference between a reverend and a pastor. Is, is there a difference? And uh, um, wait, there's also a vicar, isn't there? Is a vicar too? <laughs> well, if you're talking about vicar, you're talking about uh, uh, a different high church tradition, right? Okay. So, um, vicar just kind of means like a like an associate, right? Uh, for high church traditions, uh, in high church traditions, the the main reverend, uh, the pastor in charge, would be called uh, a rector. Um, okay. His associate might be called a vicar. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference between pastor and reverend, uh, there really virtually isn't a difference, except informally in some traditions um pastor refers to specifically uh members of the clergy who are over congregations who are shepherding congregants Mm -hmm. um and reverend is just a general term for anybody who may hold ordination orders all right cool all right medea are you ready to uh i am i am no (laughs) reverend my dear the first thing before we get to the Bible itself is something that I find very intriguing and I'd like to see if you've got an explanation for this. I'd like to hear your opinion. Now, black people are renowned for being the lovers of God. They seem to be very, they're supposed to be humble, spiritual people. So what I'd like to ask is, do religious people really believe that's why they are, they are so oppressed in this world? Or are black people paying for the disobedience of um, Adam and Eve? Um, I feel like that's a lot to put on Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. I believe that uh, people are oppressed and uh, suffer uh, ills and dysfunction in this world because we just don't get things right as human beings. No, uh, no, no, stay with the question. I'm not asking about everyone else. I'm asking about black people in particular because it is, it's, it's a fact that black people seem to be the most oppressed people from day one. So I'd like to know, is it because they are, they are God's people, but God's chosen people? Or as I said, is, are they paying a price because Adam and Eve committed this, the, the first sin? That's basically what I'm asking. 
in your opinion? Yeah, so in my opinion, I, I would like to, you, you named a couple of things and I would like to give my opinion on, on each one. Yes, please. Um, the first thing is that, um, you, so you say black people are the most oppressed people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily, necessarily a helpful distinction. I think that kind of belittles other people's uh, like oppressive circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For instance, Which I agree with uh, actually. I will take I'll take that back. I'll say they they appear to be one of one of the most oppressed. I know there are others yeah, who are oppressed, but with black people they seem to be at the bottom of the barrel. They always seem to be at the bottom. And that is something that is actually there for everyone to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with uh, ideas of redemptive suffering. I don't believe that we suffer just to show an example to other people. Yeah. Um, I believe that suffering happens, and I do believe that God has a special preferential option for those who are oppressed and poor among us. But I don't believe that um, God is necessarily using that to educate the world or to like make an example out of our suffering. I believe God suffers with us. Well, I, I, I particularly don't. I can't understand how a loving God can be really sitting back for centuries and centuries and centuries watching his people suffer and is waiting for a particular time to, to come back. It doesn't sound logical. It makes no sense to someone like me. So I'd like to understand why after centuries and centuries and centuries, people are still believing that there's a, there's a purpose to all this. I really can't see this purpose. Yeah, well, I think you have, so you got to expand thought a little bit, right? The idea that, um, that God is going to come back and fully establish justice is a particular, you know, room of thought. I do think that the entire witness of the Bible is that God is constantly with people in their struggles and responding to their struggles. And for me, being an African-American person, I believe that is what has sustained us in the midst of that suffering. But also, I would like to add that this this question, uh, people always ask the the theodicy question. They always ask the question of, you know, where is God in suffering? And I like to believe that God is asking us the same question. Um, it's easy to put a lot of blame and responsibility on God, especially, you know, arbitrarily. It's a lot harder to accept responsibility for the wrong things that we do. To be honest, the only reason why I will put it at God's door is because I have been, I've been told since I was born that God created the earth, God knows everything, God this, God that. So why shouldn't I put the blame at his door? At the end of the day, because, you, no, at the end of the day, if we've got because parents, it, go on, sorry, I'll let you talk. Yeah, yeah because he created you, right? And <laughs> you, have, you have a certain digression of uh, discretion of, of free will and ability and agency, um, as well as everybody else. Um, and the portrayers of violence, uh, the portrayers of evil has, has been at our own hands. Is that what you really believe? I'm not talking, I don't know, I don't know, because from what I'm seeing in all the years I've been on this earth is I'm I'm concentrating on black people at the moment. They seem to go through a, a lot. And sometimes it does seem like they're going through it more than 
or the particular races. Now, I am going to say this openly, and whoever takes offence, I make no apologies. This, to me, seems to be a white world, a white man's world, not a white woman's, a white man's world. They seem to be in control of everything. You notice I use the word seem. Now, what I'd like to know is, if God really created this and God knows everything, why would he have created a world that is let one race rule and oppress other people? Because that is what you, 90% of people will see this and say, yes, it is a white man's world. Why would God have done that? Knowing that he's got so many races that have been created, yet it's, it seems like one race is controlling everything and ruling everything. And then he expects people who are at the bottom of the barrel to sit there praying and hoping that he's going to come and help them one day. Can you explain that part to me? Yeah, sure thing. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is look at the world God created. Um, there are tons of animals on this planet. Mm -hmm. um, God didn't give them names. We did. Mm -hmm. um, even in the biblical story, even in the, in the Genesis story, God brings the animals to Adam and then Adam starts naming them. Um, and I think it's a particularly interesting story because our ideas of race, how we categorize ourselves, are all man-made. Mm -hmm. Men created those notions. Yeah. Men created those things. God didn't create those things. Yeah. Um, so I would say it's more of a question of how we have distorted and damaged the world that God has created mm -hmm. rather than God necessarily creating those dysfunctions that uh, you lay out. Um, it is our uh, propensity to uh, hierarchy, to want to separate ourselves, to say that we are better than other things, other people, other individuals, mm -hmm. that has damaged the world. Um, this is where race comes from. Race has a timeline, right? You can see when people created it, when the notions were formed around it. Um, uh, race, colonialism, et cetera. Um, and these are all created by, uh, correctly you stated, white men. Uh, yeah, white men have created these notions and identities and that sort of thing. And so I think it's a matter of, you know, to, to, to locate where God is in the midst of the damage that not God has created, but that we have kind of hacked into his, his world. Even if he didn't create it, he's allowed it. He's allowed it. And I'm hearing that, he's, you know, he's promised to allow the devil to run the world for however long until he puts his foot down. I'm sorry, I find it really irrational and illogical that someone, a supreme being that has so much love his love is possibly humongous compared to the love we would give our children, could really have created this situation where it's going on for centuries and centuries and we're still like idiots waiting for this God to step in. I'm sorry, I don't agree. I'm not hearing anything that's making me think that, you know, this God that you're talking about, I, no, I just, I'm not buying it. I'm so sorry. I'll tell you I'll step in. No. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sorry. I I'm think that... So I think that God is as surprised as evil doing as we are, mm -hmm. even though we uh, bear the responsibility for evil doing. We certainly create it. We see. We certainly create the injustice that happens. We didn't create. Uh, we murder. Sorry, and and there, there are scriptures that testify to it, right? The song of the we, vineyard we in Isaiah. Not, we did not create the sins and the wickedness because God created the devil. We didn't create it. Well, well, wait, God wait, wait, created let me, let me just, the devil. 
let me just step in a second. Yeah, I think on. what you're trying to say is, um, what what's happened on Earth is people have okay, God's kind of disappeared from everything, even though he's still in us. So he's still he's disappeared inside us. I would never, the whole no, idea. I don't think. Yeah, I wouldn't say that God has disappeared. No, I mean, let, let's say he's he's gone. He's um, he resides now within, and I think a lot of people have stopped listening to the voice inside and have let the external influences control how we behave i think that's why evil and stuff like this is unable uh, to control and take over everything so i wouldn't say it's because i'm pretty sure if you get probably the evilest person if you f- find him somewhere the evilest person and you tell him to listen to the voice within he would probably have good thoughts and good ideas and whatever and he'd be able to do good things but i think he ignores that voice how many people go to rob a bank for example and the inner voice will tell them don't do it that's probably the sound that a lot yeah. of people are ignoring you know what I mean? So I think it's it's a bit unfair to say um, God and blame him because God is probably still there talking to us, but we just don't listen, you know, through meditation or whatever, or praying. Um, we just don't listen anymore. That's what I think. Have um, you ever stopped to think that maybe God doesn't have the power that people think he has? Have you stopped to think that maybe this isn't his world? Have you stopped to think that maybe this is hell and you have to do good? So when you go... You go to heaven and you do go where God is. Maybe this world, he's nothing to do with God. Maybe that's why he, he hasn't or, or cannot or will not step in because he's not allowed to be around evil. It would, it's too much for him. As, as, could that be a possibility? Oh, no, I certainly don't disagree. I, I mean, I certainly do disagree. I think yeah. that God is, I think that God is very present and God mm. is very active. Um, if you think about all the bad things that have happened in human history, uh, it is an amazing thing that we have not, and I dare say miraculous thing, that we have not destroyed ourselves. Yeah. Uh, well, we're on the way, I think. Uh, that's true. <laughs> but um, it could have happened very <laughs> a lot quicker. Um, yeah. And you think about uh, the experiences of Black people across the world. It's a miraculous thing that uh, Black people have not been destroyed, but instead have thrived, uh, given the world such creativity, such beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, to me, a, a testimony that God does exist. Uh, oh, I believe God exists. I do believe, I truly believe he exists. I just don't But he's active, he's, right? I, active I, as well. Uh, I, I think he is to a degree, but I don't think he's probably got the sort of power that we are led to believe because surely a loving God would not be sitting back watching this day in, day out. No, I'm sorry. In my mind. I just don't think that, yeah. I, I just don't think that God does. I don't think that God sits back um, uh, from the, from the tradition that I come from, from my ancestors that I understand. I mean, God gave us Harriet Tubman. God gave us Nat Turner. God gave us Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Like, this is God actively being involved in our world. Uh, God gives us the movements that we see today. Yeah, I, can, true, yeah. I can accept that. I can actually accept that. You know, however, I don't think he's got the power that... I think he does have the power. You just don't see it. I think people expect, you know, we're visionary like animals, I guess. Now we expect to see something, to believe it. 
Yes, I believe. I believe that. And I'm going to accept that. That's exactly how I believe. Because if you're going to sell me, as I said before, if you're going to try and sell me double glazing, I want to see how it works before (laughs) I buy the product. I am not going to believe that something exists that I can't physically see what is being done that would make me believe. I'm I'm not talking about everyday, what we call everyday so-called miracles. That's not enough as far as I'm concerned. Too much wickedness is going on and too, it's overpowering any good that may be going on. So it's hard to believe. It really is hard to believe the way that religious people want you to believe. I'm sorry. I don't believe. Yeah, I think you, I think that the, the most, I think that the biggest problem uh, that we have is seeing God when God shows up or seeing Jesus when Jesus shows up. Um, To make a choice to not see the everyday miracles, I mean, is indeed a choice. Uh, To make a choice to not see the good that is happening in the world is indeed a choice. Uh, not necessarily reverend sorry sometimes it's hard to see it when it's overpowered with wickedness and that's what they want you to see yes i understand if you was to go out in the community and have a look maybe you would see on the ground level like turn off the tv and stuff and go out there and get involved in communities and then you'll see on the ground the way churches come together and help people who've got no like financial difficulties and stuff maybe these are little miracles i mean they're not miracles but you know People but there are miracles now. You named but them so do celebrities. Celebrities do exactly the same. So show me something different. Show me something that this. Show me something godlike that a celebrity wouldn't do. Then I will accept. Yeah, but the you've, just said, you've said exact. You've and said something that every day I would go and help somebody if they was hungry, and I'm not religious. I that's would also them, God speaking not, to you and helping you. That's just my character, that's, though. That's I the think you should saying, be good. Isn't it that? Isn't that? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that the invoice telling you you should do something? Like, I think a celebrity is a bit of an exception more than the rule, yeah, simply because yeah. they have a lot of money mm-hmm. and they won't, give all away, they won't give away all their money, but what they do do for publicity is be seen to give away a little bit because then it pumps, uh, pumps their, their relevance up. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes, um, I agree so with that. I don't know if celebrities, but if you look at people who are really like yourself, who's, who's not well off, when you go out and give... The little you have, isn't this like a um, a gesture to what Jesus would have done? You know. Well, would I wouldn't. I wouldn't put. I wouldn't put myself on that level. I, I mean, just believe that just you should help example. when you can help. I naturally feel that way anyway. You mm. know what I mean? I mean, it grieves me so much to see what is going on, and nothing positive is really coming out of it. That's noticeable. It's just not noticeable anymore. It's just. I understand that it's coming up to revelations, the end of the, t- the world, but I've been hearing the end of the world since I was a nipper and that's talking a very, very long time. <laughs> Reverend, do you have anything to add to that? I don't know. <laughs> <Reverend>. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's an idea. I think like right now, what you're seeing with the, the Black Lives Movement, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement is, is a, a form of revelations, a form of changing and ending of the world, ending of the old yeah. idea. You know, I think that's revelations in, in its true form. I think, that thunder and lightning and all these comments are going to come down. We're going to be dead before we see that stuff. So, (laughs) well, I can tell you right now from where I am in uh, 
So I'm in America. I'm in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri is, uh, you know, adjacent to Ferguson is where the Ferguson uprising took place. Mm-hmm. And um, we, um, we have seen things in our lifetime that we never thought was possible. Yeah. Uh, even now, uh, in the place uh, that Mike Brown, uh, who's the young man who was murdered, lived, um, there was just recently uh, a mayor elected that was a woman of, that was a black woman. Um, Nobody ever thought that was possible. Uh, They thought that white people had consolidated power pretty much over that entire town. And so her election was a miraculous event. Um, People thought they never see anything like that in their lifetime, kind of like they never thought they see a black president. in their we lifetime. Didn't, we didn't see a black president. <laughs> that's I'm not another going, story for another that's day. That's another story, but we didn't see a black president. <laughs> yeah, we, not not I mean, in America, it, we didn't. Yeah, we did. We saw, <laughs> no, we saw a mixed president. <laughs> we did not see a black president, so let's not go there. And, and, and But then again, you could say that for Louis Farrakhan, if you know him. He looks kind of mixed. He's like the same complexion as Barack Obama. Day, I, I mean, every, every black person in America is mixed. There's no black person who is entirely black that resides that's in That's better, what you said, entirely black. That's, that's what I prefer to hear. <laughs> because I don't appreciate, if you're of mixed parentage, you claim one side and not the other. You have to claim both sides. That's what I truly believe. It's unfair to expect a mixed child to say they are black when in fact they have a white mother and a black father. That's not fair. So they're mixed. Call them what they are, mixed. I mean, they, you can, I mean, they are mixed, certainly. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, you have to account for how the world will respond to them. Uh, we know America will respond to them. We know how America responds to everything. It's very, the, to me. That's what we see on media, though. Yes, the, that's what we saw on the media. Somebody who's, yeah. You know, exactly. So, there, so, for instance, you, you call, like, you say, oh, he was a mixed president. But, I mean, if he wasn't a president, he could be subject to arrest, police brutality, racism, just like any other black person. Mm-hmm. You know? That's true. It doesn't so it's, make it it's right. not exactly fair to say he's not black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just because America, some white person said, you, if you've got a hint of black blood in you, you full black, doesn't make it right. That's just them being bullies as usual. You know, so let's not Perhaps. go there. But let's stay with... Where are we going with the Bible? I have a verse I would like to read, and I'd like to dissect it, if I may. <laughs> and this is, let me get it up. This is, is it Ephesians? Is that how you pronounce it, Reverend? Is it a, Ephesians? Yeah, Ephesians. Okay. Ephesians, yeah. Verses five and six. Now, it says, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now, can you explain to me what that was actually saying? Because I've, I've read people's take on it on Facebook, and what I'm thinking is this is a very negative saying. So I'd like to hear your what you believe that was actually saying, Reverend? Oh, I believe it was uh, exactly as you read it. 
uh, it was a piece of scripture that I was encouraging people to be obedient to people who were in charge. So a lot of people have put slavery around Slavers. me. The thing is, so, that, could that be a job like uh, your boss? Well, why should I, you fear your boss? Yes, that's it. Why should you fear your boss? And why, why, why should you look at them as if you was looking at Christ? Why would you obey them in the same capacity you would obey God and Christ and be loving towards these people? I, I, I yeah. don't get that. I don't get that. Your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. What is that really telling people? Because what I'm getting is people are saying it's, it was telling you back then that you should obey your slave masters. This is what people have interpreted it. Now, this is why I needed to ask how you interpret it, because a lot of people who are not religious are saying um, God was telling you to obey your masters. Yeah. So interpretation is the key word there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there are three levels that I would have to engage that text on. Yeah. The first is understanding what the Bible is and how it's like actually put together. Right. So the Bible is not one central thought. It's a book that is filled with a lot of different perspectives and thoughts. Mm -hmm. Right. And in each situation, people are reflecting sharing their experiences of God from the contextual circumstances that they are in at the time. So then moving to this Ephesians passage, right? You have to think about contextually, like what was happening at the time. Where are people social, socially located at that time? Um, for that particular passage of scripture, many people think that um, the church was in a period of time where they were being persecuted, right? Uh, persecuted, they were, you know, not on the ends with the empire. The empire was actually oppressing them and wanting to see them, you know, not actually alive in some cases and not actually a part of society. And so uh, some passages that read like that um, are really, um, you know, passages about survival, right? Mm -hmm. um, trying to get people to... Uh, live and behave in such a way in which they were like surviving. Um, now, I will also put that in the context with um, other scriptures um, with the uh, attributed writer. So the attributed writer of Ephesians is Paul, right? Um, and Paul says a lot of different things about slaves. Um, but one of the things that always sticks out to me that, he, um, that uh, Paul writes is, Paul writes in a lot of his letters that, you know, in Christ, there's neither, uh, you know, male nor female, neither slave nor free, um, which is, seems a little bit revolutionary to me. And so you would have to put all of that in context to interpret what this scripture is actually meaning for the person that is a slave at the time. So, Reverend, if this was according to what was happening at the time, why is it essential for us today? Why is it important for us to even listen to this today? What, what's the point? Yeah. Um, do you have, uh, you have people in your family, obviously, uh, you have parents, you have uh, grandparents, perhaps, that uh, you listen to and their wisdom was important for you, uh, mm -hmm. that helped mold you and shape you. Uh, 
the Bible is, is similar, right? Um, there's wisdom, there's hope, there's inspiration gathered in these words. Um, are they always going to be a perfect fit? Are they always going to fit like, uh, you know, like a perfect little puzzle piece? Uh, no, but it is our job to shape those things and to fit them, uh, to make them fit our moment in which uh, we live. You have just completely confused me. <laughs> because... <laughs> <laughs> sitting there like okay i'm yeah. sorry i'm sorry makes sense. but the bible is something that i would definitely not be listening to I would, then, no 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 i'm sorry i can say that i have a choice remember what he said oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. god gave us choice i have a choice i am dissecting this for a reason because i'm on a journey because i would like to come out the other end doing what is right for me and i would like to come out a better person but if i'm gonna go off the bible i'll end up mad no, no. I will end up Looney Tune. I don't think you would end up mad or Looney Tune. Other than you know, because like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Reverend. There's no way on this earth am I going to obey my master as if he was like God. It's not going to happen in this lifetime, in the next lifetime, in the lifetime after that. Right. I, so let me give you. So let me give you an example. Right. Yeah. So, um, so there's a. Uh, a great, a great book by uh, author. His name is Alan Callahan, is, and it's called The Talking Book. And it's about how um, um, enslaved people in America have experienced the Bible, right? Um, there's a great theologian uh, by the name of Howard Thurman, who's the teacher of Martin Luther King, who oftentimes talked about um, his, his grandmother, who happened to be an enslaved person and remembers the vestiges of slavery, um, whenever he opened the book uh, for, to read scripture to her in her old age, um, whenever he read a passage of Paul, she would tell him to skip over it um, <laughs> and read something else. Um, that dichotomy of the Bible being a healing book, but also being perhaps in some cases a poison book or a difficult book that we have to deal with, I think only adds to a richer interpretation. Um, the fact that we can struggle with um, what things that the Bible say, that we can ask uh, relevant questions, only aids us in finding a more genuine voice to what the word of God is actually saying to us. Mm -hmm. Okay. We have a lot of um, religious people in our family. I remember one uh, one of my uncles actually said, uh, when we question the Bible, when we are no longer men of God, I mean, what's your take on that? Is that like true? Because then I was like, hold on a minute. If I question, shouldn't I question? Should I just? I, no, I'll tell you, I'll yeah. tell you the words are to question God's work is a sin. <laughs> is that, is that really? Is that when they real? couldn't answer the question, that's what they would throw at us. I grew up hearing that all the time. It's a sin to question God's work. That's because they can't answer it. It's as simple as that. I'm questioning. <laughs> I'm questioning. God knows I'm questioning. Yeah. To, to say a, a thing like that is not, is certainly not biblical. Mm -hmm. um, all of the major characters in the Bible ask God questions, even Jesus, right? Okay. Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, can, this can this cup pass away from me? Um, so it's totally and completely a faithful response to ask good questions. 
Okay. Abraham found that out. Moses found that out. Um, for all the major characters in the Bible, they all ask really relevant questions. Okay. That's good. That's good. Um, where we are now? I wanted to add one, just one last thing in about the slavery Ex- exodus. Because he's also one of them ones that kind of stands out for me. If a man beats his male or female slave with a club and the slave dies as a result, the owner must be punished. But if the slave recovers within a day or two, then the owner shall not be punished since the slave is his property. Is that written? Was that written at a time when slavery was more prominent? Or, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like when I listened to that, I think there was a hold on a minute. Wait a second. So there were slaves when the Bible, and was that referred to being servants again? Or is that like, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, so certainly um, slavery was a more prominent institution in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, there were certain, um, and you have to understand that the ancient Near Eastern world was a agrarian culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in order to produce food, right, the more hands that you had um, helped you have helped with your <laughs> chance of survival, basically. Yeah, so yeah. everybody in the family worked. And when you went to war with another people, you took their people to help with the work. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's a, it's a survival question and a survival institution. Yeah. It's like tribal, isn't it? Yeah. But you know, um, so you said, you said the passage of scripture came from Exodus, which is yeah. funny because right. Exodus is where we get our, you know, most liberative text with the slaves of uh, the Hebrew slaves being led out of Egypt, right? Oh, yes, and the parting sea. Yes, I remember. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and I think it's, it's, it's one of the most radical, radical texts uh, you would ever have because not only did the slaves leave Egypt, but they, they looted Egypt on their way out. <laughs> oh, so they oh, were man. black then. Yeah. They were black then. No, no. <laughs> they were black. <laughs> no, black people don't always loot. That's just what you see in the media. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. It's what, it's, so it's one of the most liberative texts you can find. But that's, see, that, that is the very thing that I would find that one uh, shows how relevant it is to uh, know exactly what the what the situation is in which the text was formed, but then also to recognize and appreciate that there could possibly be a tension in the text, and um, to use that for a more relevant and important interpretation. All right, that's cool. All right, just one last question from me, of course. Um, how how as you're the professional, um, how's the best way to read the Bible? Because actually, I've already read the Bible one time. I've been through it. Um, Sorry, I don't remember everything in there simply because there's just so much to take in. And I think it's, some, it's a book that you have to read several times. I read it from page one to page 1,700 or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of pages. Uh, probably was more than that, actually, when I think about it. Uh, what's the best way to write, um, read the Bible? Should you read it from page one to, you know, or should you, that was from front to back, or should you jump around? Yeah, right. So... Um, the, uh, the best way to kind of read the Bible is I would say to kind of, to do it both ways, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, to read the Bible from front to back, but then to also spend time with the text, uh, with different books individually. Mm -hmm. So in, in terms of how the Bible was made, right? 
there's people who put the Bible in this particular order. And you notice this, uh, I mean, they still do it today. Different denominations have different ways in which they organize the Bible. If you go to a Catholic church, you have, you know, apocryphal texts in there as well as other texts in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to a, you know, American Christian church, it might just have, uh, you know, basic, you know, some of the basic major material that's in the Bible. Um, but I say that to say that people organize it, the people who organize the Bible, um, organize it to be read like in a particular way. Mm-hmm. Um, so the people who put the modern Bible together um, organize it in such a way that they wanted you to get information. And that's important to understand, but it's also important to understand that each Bible book comes from a particular time period that may not fit in line with how they organize the Bible. Okay. Um, so for instance, Job is, you know, one of the oldest books in the Bible, but you see it in the middle of the Bible, for instance. Yeah. It's not like, you know, it's not like before Genesis. Yeah. So it's important to understand and read those books and spend time with those books individually. And that gives you a better sense of trying to understand that, um, the stories and experiences that those people are sharing in those books come from a particular moment in time. That's where I, think I that... step in, Reverend. This is where I step in. <laughs> Don't you think it's about time God ordained a few more people to write a few more books to fit in with this time? Maybe you have. Because this Bible, no, where is it then? There's a rush of information. This we're in the information age. You, it's hard to find anything anywhere. Like you, it's like looking for a needle in a haystack. Someone's probably written exactly what we need to hear somewhere, but you gotta have to look for it on the internet. And that's it. It could be God's word. Yeah. It would be good if, um, if you know, if God would ordain it, that several people could come together and write a new Bible, something to fit in with today, because this old Bible that's been going on for centuries, it's too confusing. It's, it, it frightens a lot of people, which to me, when you talk about God, you shouldn't have to be afraid. It should be yeah, a loving thing. But if the Bible's scaring you, then it's, to me, that's not a good thing. So I think maybe ask God yourself, Reverend, say, could you ordain me to start a new book? And you could get a few more, no, I'm serious, get a few more people who are what we would look at as holy and humble. I'm not on about people who pretend to be working on behalf of God. I'm on about those who truly believe you can always tell, trust me, I'm not religious, but I can meet someone and I can pick up if they're a good person or someone who's just a, a, wolf, a wolf in sheep's clothing. You can tell, you actually can tell. I've looked at people and I can see the devil standing up in them and I can look at someone and say, you are a humble, good person. So there's, so, there's God working for you then? Well, I don't put myself in that at all. I'm, I'm just me. I'm just me. But it would be good. It would be good if he allowed, you know, you know, just I say, if God allowed it, not man, because man couldn't write anything, which is what I think has happened in the Bible. They've ch- ch- turned it around. They've messed it up. So we're never really going to get to the truth of it. So I think God should allow some more people who are good to write a new Bible. Simple. You know, you know, what's interesting is that people give a lot of scrutiny to the Bible. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. But there's so much like literature and things that um, that we get value from uh, that 
we completely use discretion about and completely, you know, use our own common sense to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that the Bible is no different. Uh, um, people, I'm a, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. Uh, and Game of Thrones has some pretty terrible things in it. Yeah. Um, but I understand my common sense uh, just because um, there are scary and, and things of terror that are in those books doesn't mean that um, I should stop reading it or is it going to make me a bad person from reading it? I don't think, I don't think that. So I think there's a, a scrutiny we, we give to the Bible that is not faithful or helpful. Um, Reverend, Reverend, there's this one thing I truly believe, and we will have to agree to disagree on this. I believe God is about love. Love should not have fear in there. So if you're fearing something in the Bible, it's not good. It's as simple as that. That's how I see it. You know. I, well, I disagree. I, um, I, I believe. You, I don't believe you, you should be in fear. I think have, you should. Have you, you ever been in love good. before? Not by that. Ask me about that. <laughs> 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 have you ever been in love before? Do you know the excitement and fear of going on the first date? Yeah. Or the, the first time that you tell somebody you love them? and That's a different are, kind of sure fear. I'm they... sorry, Reverend. That's a different kind of fear. I think that fear is the same. Well, exciting. Think the same no, I'm not about the fear where it's, it's, it's fear like being in a horror movie. That fear I'm talking about. I'm not about the fear that it's not the same. It's uh, heart racing the same. Fear. No, well, it's not. It's not necessarily an exciting fear if you've ever proposed to somebody and they turned you down. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's, that's really what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> if you're scared that someone's going to turn you down when you ask when you propose to them, that's the same as being chased by a gorilla or. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they can feel that way. I mean, it's relative, but yeah. I think <laughs> it's a fear of expectation. You don't, ex- yeah. um, and that I think is uh, what love is all about. Uh, it's about risk, and you risk anything in love. Yeah, that's true. Nobody said you have to be in love with God. You just have to love Him. There's a difference. <laughs> well, I think He gives the love to you, and it you don't. I, I, I mean. Depends. I think when you love God, it's because of the experiences or the the connection you have with God. I think that's where your love comes from. Because if you have no connection with God, just like if you have no connection with anybody else, you won't love them. So I'm guessing you, Midai, I don't have connection with God, which means you can't love him. I don't. I don't. Listen, listen. Or her. Sorry, him or her. I, that's, I was yeah, love is impossible without yeah, risk. You yeah. can't have love without risk. Mm-hmm. That's very so God important. risks when he loves us. And likewise, we risk when we love God. But God has nothing to lose. If you don't love him back, he has nothing to lose. He's got something. Uh, that's not necessarily true. Well, uh, we'll have to agree to disagree. According, according I mean, to he, uh, he's risking a lot with this world that he created, and he let us lose trust on me, it. Trust me, trust me. If, he had, if he'd have took my advice, he would have closed this earth down a long time ago. He's going to shut this down, from man. Him, from him made the first mistake of creating man, <laughs> I would have shut it down completely and wiped it and said, you know what? That's my one mistake and I'm not making it anymore. I'm not creating man again. I'm not he creating man again. He was like, you know what? Yeah. I'll make a woman. I, 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 yeah, I mean, yeah, I, sure. you know. I'm all about men and women. He should never have created humans and let them run the world because they are a terrible, <laughs> terrible species that he put on here. Look how wicked they are. Look how they've ruined his world. That's one thing me and God would have a conversation about. He should <laughs> never have created human beings. They are so wicked and corrupt, it's unreal. Even the ones who say they love him, they're corrupt. Some of them are so corrupt, it's unreal. 
But they also do very beautiful things, though. No, well. Charles. <laughs> they created you. Uh, humans created you two lovely people. And so, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a man of. I'm, I'm a man of. Um, yeah, I'm a yeah. <laughs> yeah. With me, with me, I see it as with regarding God. Going back to the point where um, Al Stalia was saying, maybe I don't have a connection to God. Maybe I don't. Maybe that's what the problem is. I believe in doing good. I, I, I do want to live a peaceful, humble life. I don't want to hurt my neighbor. I, just because somebody might annoy me, I don't want to hurt them. I don't wish ill will on them. But at the same time, I'm finding it very difficult to believe in this God that everyone else believes in. I find it very difficult because when, I, when I'm told about God, it's always in the context is God is supposed to be God of love, but yet his punishment is so severe and so horrible and so frightening. I sit and think, well, what loving God would do all these things, these wicked things too? But yet when you're talking about the devil, you only talk about bad things connected with the devil. You don't talk about the good things that the devil's doing. What good things does he do? Oh, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't do anything good. But yet, but yet, listen, <laughs> listen, listen to what I said. There's no good things that the devil does. But yet when you're talking about God, let me give you an example. When he was upset when they weren't listening with Noah's Ark, what did he do? Collect your two, 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 this, two, that. And then he, he flooded the world out. When, when they was upsetting him, listen, when they was upsetting him in Sodom and Gomorrah, what did he do? He said to them, whatever, he, him and his wife, come out the place. I'm going to burn it down. Is that and don't interpretation? Look no. Lot, Lot, I listen, don't think that Lot's really wife, happened. Don't look, let me finish. I'm giving you examples. When, when, when was it Jacob or Joseph, the one with the many, um, how many color cloak? Oh, uh, when, Joseph. People free. Listen, Joseph. when God wanted his people set free and they wouldn't, what did he do? He killed all the firstborn. He did all these plagues. Now listen to what I'm saying. When it comes to God, he, when he punishes, he, he does the most cruelest, wickedest punishments, and yet man still come back and do the same again. They still keep doing the same wickedness again. So I, this is why I find it hard to believe in that particular God. I because think what's happening is... No, 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 let me finish. I'll tell you, I've nearly finished. <laughs> well, well, I don't believe in that particular God because every time I hear about God, if he, he's a jealous God, he will smite you. It's always wicked punishments. So to me, no, I'm sorry, I can't. Okay. I believe in a God that's purely love. I don't want to even hear about the wicked side of it. Because Reverend. when you talk about the devil, you don't talk about the good okay. side of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Reverend, <laughs> what, what I want to say to that is I believe the book was written by humans. Mm -hmm. They were saying they were getting word from God. Or even if it's historical, I don't know. I, don't, I can't say that was historical or not. But they were getting the word from humans. You know, humans are creative writers. So maybe they made it look wor worse than it actually was. And maybe they mistranslated some stuff. I don't know. But I don't think it's... I still... I can't connect that, Sodom and Gomorrah and all that stuff, to... And to I, sorry? Yeah. I would, I would very much agree with that. I yeah. would say, you know, uh, if you have a problem with all that stuff, your problem is not with God. Your problem is with the box that people have placed God in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the book. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. And so... Yeah, there are, you know, tons of colorful texts uh, in the scripture uh, and scary, scary ones 
text mm-hmm. of terror, but it's how people um, interpreted their world. Um, and, and also is how people interpreted their world back then. Um, but if so, they had God on their side, they would have interpreted it the correct way. No, <laughs> I mean, not, if, not, if, not if around the Spielberg way, if around in that particular time, uh, they thought that um, God was doing justice when He, you know, stopped their enemies from attacking them or freed them from their enemies. That's how they. That's how they talked about it. Yeah. Um, you know, if we were to talk about God today, we might talk about I don't know. God's presence and I don't know, listening to a Beyonce song or something like that. Who knows? Like yeah. our our scriptures would be very colorful as well. Yeah. That's <laughs> and true. people that's would true. struggle to interpret them years later. Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um I think that's probably rounds up enough for today because yeah. <laughs> we want to keep, you know, we want to keep I don't know, we just want to try and keep saying here, like you said. Um, <laughs> very true very Reverend true. could you give us um, a prayer to go out on yeah sure okay we'll close our eyes gracious God we thank you for all the ways in which you show up in our world in ways that surprise us in ways that cause us to question in ways that challenge us but certainly in ways also that help us to see the good. We ask uh, quite simply that you continue to be with us uh, as we are in our striving to make this world a better place. Uh, Strengthen us in all goodness, help us to find a faith that matters and help us to not only pray with our words, but pray with our feet. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Reverend. Um, it's great having you on. I would wish for you to come back on again, maybe a little bit further down the line when Medea has finally changed her mind and become full, fully fledged <laughs> Christian. We are going to make it. We're going to make it to the promised land. I promise you. <laughs> would you be willing to do that, Reverend? Oh yeah, sure, of course. Or, or, did, we, or did Medea win? <laughs> Don't let her win. <laughs> No, no, it's all love and um, it's not winning, it's all love, it's all part of the journey, yeah, 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 yeah. No, thank you guys for having me on, and thank you, Reverend. Thank you very much for coming on. Okay, that was dissecting the Bible. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Welcome to my Dissecting the Bible podcast.